I'm so blessed and so honored to be here. Um, and I'm just, I'm excited for our topic today. And it's gonna, be, it's gonna be a little hard for us to hear because it goes against our nature, but I'm excited to see the fruits. That's what's gonna come out of, of God's word. Um, so I have a question for all of us today. My question is, what are you here for? What is each of us, what is any of us here for? Did, did you even have that question in your mind or is coming to church just like second nature to us now? But have you asked yourself, what am I here for? Do, am I here because I get some free coffee, which I'm told is pretty good? Uh, am I here to see my friends? When I was a teenager, when I, I used to go to church for one reason only, that was for girls. Um, <laughs> I can't lie about it, but that's, that's what most teenager boy, teenage boys are going to church for these days. That's why, no, I'm not going to go into that. But we need to continually ask ourselves, why are you here? Are you here, are you here to hear a word from God? Are you here to, uh, to hear the music? Are you here um, to get healing, a spiritual healing? Are you here just because you, you think that's what a good Christian is supposed to do? Ask yourselves, why am I here? What is this for? What is the purpose? What is the purpose of all this, right? We need to ask ourselves that constantly. We need to continually look at our spirituality, look at our faith, and, and not poke holes in it, but just examine it, right? Don't blindly just believe whatever I tell you to believe or whatever Pastor David tells you to believe. Examine it. This is your spirituality, your walk with life. So what are you here for? Well, our first passage this morning is Psalms 27, 4. It's going to be on the screen for us. And David says here, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. We just sang about that. All the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's the ESV version, and you can leave that verse up, uh, Bill, real quick. And this is the NLT version. I like how it's phrased here. This is verse four again. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. I like how that's phrased, but, but look at verse four here that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, right? We're here to have an interaction with Jesus Christ. He is alive and well, and he meets us. The Bible says when two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there. So he's here. So then what are we going to do about it? What are, what's our purpose after that thought? What are we going to do? Now that we have this amazing opportunity to bask in God's beauty, that's why when we put up the words of the worship songs or the scriptures, it's, 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 it's a chance to just think about what you're singing about. Think about what we're saying, right? The king of my heart, he's good. He's never going to let me down. Each of us has had somebody let us down. I let my wife down about 500 times a week. That's a lot. But thank God she still loves me and hasn't left me. But thank God that the, her father, her eternal father, will not fail her. So he kind of covers up my transgressions. He reminds her that even though I mess up, he won't mess up. And that's the same for you. And that's what we're trying to dwell in, right? I may dwell, I may reside. NLT version said that I may 
uh, I may live in the house, right? Are we ready to live here? Everyone bring their sleeping bags, toothbrushes? No? No? Okay. Uh, but that's, and that's not necessarily the point there, but it's saying that that's the kind of the spirit that he's asking for. That I so desire God's presence that I want to live there to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And see, many pastors, many theologians, whomever, they see a constant issue in the church because that is not necessarily the norm of the American Christian. And I'm only going to speak about the American Christians because I don't know necessarily about the rest of the world. But the American Christian would much rather make all of this about me than about him. That's a pressing issue. We want to make these gatherings more of ourselves than of Jesus. And that's taking over everything. That's taking over how we, how we do whatever we're doing here, even our songs, right? Uh, worship pastor, songwriter Aaron Keyes once pointed out that the church went from singing songs like a mighty fortress is our God, right? A mighty fortress is our God. I don't know the rest. Um, I looked up the words. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of strange words in that one. But it's talking about God's strength and God's might. We went from singing that to singing, I love you, Lord. Right? There's a difference here. Solely concerning ourselves about God. God's beauty, God's glory, God's majesty too. Oh, look at my worship. I love you, Lord. I worship you. Yes, this is what I do. Not what he does. Even consider the song, how, how Great Thou Art, right? It says, then sings my soul. But what? Then sings my soul. How great thou art. Right? We're not focused on me in that moment, right? The verses talk about when I, you know, when I think of God, his son not sparing. Send him to die. I scarce, scarce can take it in. Thinking about all that God has done. And then there's nothing else I can do but praise him. Say, God, how great you are. But I see this issue in, in a lot of songs coming up that they're more focused on me and how I'm involved in that story than how God is the dictator of the story. And scriptures warn us about the continual idolatry of keeping us in the focus. So if you have your Bibles today, this is our main passage. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And many of you probably know this passage. It's a well-known passage. I actually, surprisingly, I had uh, some Jehovah's Witnesses come to my house yesterday. And uh, I looked like a mess. I hadn't showered just yet, but I was excited to talk to them. And they asked me about the coming days, and I got to share with them about Jesus and everything. And they said, okay, we'll see you later. Um, they thought they were going to tell me about him, but I got to tell them about him. And I, and I referenced this passage, which was amazing. So this is 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 1 through 5. And this is, this is a weighty passage, so look at this. And this is Paul writing his second letter to Timothy. Paul says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Kids, listen up ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, 
Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. That is a weighty passage because all of us, I believe, can go, I think that was me this past week. I think that was maybe me this month. Ungrateful, disobedient, abusive, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so this is a big deal, so we're going we're gonna to camp in this passage for a little bit. So one, I want to notice that in that first verse that he ends this phrase with difficulty, right? There will come times of difficulty. So once again, if someone's telling you that the Christian life is full of rainbows and butterflies, somebody has lied to you because this life is not going to be comfortable all the days of your life. God does take care of you. God does take care of your needs. But that doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable. Right? The Bible talks about the testing of your faith. Right? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. James. For, uh, in, in one of the books of Peter, it says... Um, that the testing your faith is more precious than gold. So I'm here to tell you today that yes, you will have a difficult life if you are pursuing him. And Paul's warning us about this. So for us as Christians, we're going to see this constantly. So if you're wondering if God is coming back pretty soon, I would say yes, because this is an indicator of how soon he's coming back. I can't tell you soon. We don't know that. But I've you can promise that we know and we see our country, we see our world, lovers of these. All of this. You just turn on the news, you see all of this happening. And I want us to notice this, because this is kind of the main point of what today will be for. It says, for people will be lovers of what? Self. People will be lovers of self. So I want us to notice this morning that all the other things that come after that starts. I believe it's not a coincidence that Paul put it first. I believe being a lover of self, all the other things come after that. When you love money, it's because you're loving yourself. When you're abusive, it's because you're loving yourself. When you're arrogant, you're loving yourself. All these things. So the big, one of the big points I want to make for us in this here right here, we have become massive lovers of what? Selfies. We have become massive lovers of selfies, right? I take my phone. I have a selfie camera. All of us have a selfie camera. Why? So we can do this. So we can find the right angle. I think everyone knows that it's better up here because when you're down here, you see the double chin. So I got to do it up here so I can seem like I'm still young and beautiful, which all of you are. But that's what the purpose of these are. We have been so uh, confounded. We've been so addicted to be lovers of selfies. Think about it. When has there ever been a moment in human history where every individual person had a whole page about themselves and hundreds of pictures of themselves? Go to your page. How many pictures of you are there? And I'm not trying to make you feel bad because that's just culture, right? Culture is continually saying, you're number one. You are it. Focus on you. We're telling our children, who do you think you are? What do you think you are? 
We're saying, we're, 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 we're bleeding. I'm sorry, I'm not used to this. We're bleeding into all these things, into, into our kids, even into ourselves, that you are priority number one. And that is quite the opposite of what God's intention was for us. You know why? Because we can't handle being number one. It's not in our DNA. When, it's, when I make this about me, I become conceited. When I make this about me, I become prideful. Why? Because I'm flesh and I'm sinful. I can't take on the full glory of the Lord because only he is perfect enough to take on that glory. So where's my position in all of this? Right, look at this. Look back in the scriptures. It says, um, some have the appearance of godliness. Right? Are we appearing to be good? Are we appearing to be Christ-like? But yet, this is who we are. Right? I can say all the right things. When I was a kid, my dad was a pastor. I knew everything right to say, but I did everything wrong. I had the appearance of a good kid, but yet I was a horrible one. It says avoid such people. Who are we letting influence us? Are we letting the world tell us it's okay to, to focus on you? Right? What do you need? Right? In relationships, what do you want? What kind of partner do you desire? Which is not bad. Once again, that's not a bad thing to, to take care of yourself. But when you're self-absorbed with it, when that's all you can think about, right? How many times do we walk by a mirror and we just have to stop and go, right? Fix the eyebrows. Some of us, like me when I was a teenager, I was so absorbed with myself, I couldn't walk by a car window without looking at it because, oh, there I am. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm guilty upon guilty on this topic. And that's why I'm so excited to share it with you because I'm talking to me. I need to get over myself. And if you're asking, how do I know if I'm a lover of self? Well, how easily annoyed are you? How quick to anger are you? If something doesn't go your way, how badly does it affect you? For me, that's a hard answer. I have become a lover of selfies, and I want to see that get rid of. So this morning, we have this warning to take a microscope and examine our lives. Think about this. Who walks into a room wandering, wondering, who am I going to bless today? Oh, I have a 20 in my pocket. You know what? Where's a, where's a poor college student? Or, or Pastor Matt. Uh, who can, or, or, can I get some, or can I sit somewhere where somebody else can have my seat? Or can I, can I hold the door for somebody? Who can I bless this morning? We don't think about that. That goes against our flesh nature, right? That goes against the world. The world's not saying, the world's saying, how can I improve me, right? When we walk into the room, do we think, man, I hope they play the music I like. Man, I hope he doesn't wear ripped jeans. Sorry. Man, I hope the music is a little louder, or a little louder, lower or louder. Man, I hope the pastor preaches something that's going to encourage me this week. I need it. Me, I need help. I need this. I need that. 
That's what the church has become. How many times do we have to argue? How many times do we have to debate because people are making church about themselves? Right? People look in on what uh, we're doing. They go, that's not right. That's not what we're supposed to do. I don't think this. I don't think that. That's, that's because we're self-absorbed and we make this about us instead of about who it's supposed to be for. That's why Psalms 27.4, we have to gaze at the beauty of the Lord because all of this is for him to stare at him. And if I get something out of it, that's just a bonus. The best thing that we can do for ourselves is take the attention off ourselves and stare at someone who is way more beautiful. So however, you, however beautiful you think you are in the mirror, and don't they say mirrors lie to you somehow? Like you, you see yourself a little more pretty than you think you actually are. However beautiful you think you are, God is a billion times, infinity times more beautiful than you can ever imagine. And he's trying to get our attention. Look at, look at the book of Psalms, chapter 8. This is one of my favorite passages. The first, uh, let's see. Yes, uh, the first one says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Verse 3, when I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you would care for him. What an attitude of worship. Right? So, so David is staring. David is basking in God's glory. We can't see God yet because his glory, like Moses asked God if he would see his glory. And God said you would go blind. So we can't see his glory yet. But he gave us creation. He gave us babies. He gave us all these beautiful wonders that we get to stare at. And so when we take a moment, just take a moment off ourselves, get the mirror out of here, and, and look at God's creation. Stare at the mountains, stare at the sunset. Go to the beach, stare at your lawn if you have a good lawn, right? Nothing beautiful, more beautiful than a nice cut green uh, lawn. I love it. I love the smell too. That's, that's a little different. Um, but when we stare at these things, we're, we then have to realize, I didn't do any of this. This is God. And even that attitude in verse 4, it says, it says, what is man that you are mindful of him? So when we stare at God, we realize we're, we are so insignificant to this story, but yet God loves us so much that he puts us in charge of all this. He says, I have set a place for you at the table. When we see God exactly for who he is, we then realize that he is more loving and kind than we could ever deserve. When we take the attention off ourselves, we see who we really are. And that's why I love to sing and lead worship and do all this because praise is one of the easiest ways to take attention off yourself, right? Think about it. When you praise someone else, when you praise a family member or a coworker, Right? You're not, hey, you look great today, Mikey. Thank you for cutting your hair. I cut mine too. A lot of people I'm grateful, I'm sure. Luke, you're looking awesome today. You have fun skiing? Yes, sir. I bet you skied great, because you're great, Luke. Extending that praise. Felix, you're doing awesome on the camera, man. He's the only one standing up in the room. Well, except me. Uh, 
Felix, you're amazing. Extending praise is taking the attention off of me onto something else. That's the easiest way to remove this idea of being a lover of selfies, right? Flip the camera around and focus on something else. Think about it. When we go to the beach or a waterfall or something else, what is our first instinct? Is it to look at it or is it immediately go, how can I get in this picture? Right? Like, uh, it's kind of there. I think me and my wife sometimes do it. There's like a little mountain peak in, on top of my head, but I'm still in it, so it's okay. But that's what we do. Flip the camera around. Focus on something else. We have plenty of pictures of ourselves, and we'll get plenty more pictures of ourselves. We've got to get over us. See, in our very DNA, we were created to praise and to give glory. That's why it feels so good. That's why it feels so natural. We weren't meant to be grouchy, self-conceited people. That's why the people who are like that, they're dying so much quicker. They are the, some of the most miserable people on earth because that's not how God created us to be. We were created to be joy-filled. We were created to be praise-giving to him. That's who we are. Think about it. We just got done uh, celebrating uh, Christmas. My favorite story ever written, other than the Bible, which it's a real story, so. My favorite fiction story ever written is A Christmas Carol, right? There's been so many movies about it, so many different depictions of it, but why do I love it so much? Because this self-conceited lover of self, old miser Ebenezer Scrooge, got a second chance and was shown to take the attention off of himself, off of the love of money, off of the love of whatever he wanted, and pour it out some more. And what does the story say? Immediately he became this joyful, loving person overnight. Once he took the attention off himself, he became a new man. And that's, that's what this is about. Let's, let's be new creations. Let us be different than this world. We're told to be ambassadors anyways. But yet we, we come alongside with the world sometimes instead of sticking out. Because it's a lot easier to, to, to go with the flow than going against it. But we're not called to do that. You know, our very picture of eternity, of heaven, there's no eyes on me. Right? How many times have we had a conversation that says, oh, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to talk to King David. I can't wait to talk to Moses. Or I can't wait to go yell at Adam and Eve. No, I don't think we're going to do any of that. I think we're going to be so focused on the Lord and we can't take our attention off of it because he is so much beautiful than anything else that could be up there. All right, we're told the streets are made of gold. Who cares? His glory is right there that we get to bask in our, in our new perfect bodies, whatever. We won't have, a, Francis Chan once said, I don't want a mirror in heaven because nothing can compare to God's glory. But we have that chance here. We have that opportunity here. But yet we can't put down the selfies. We're not meant, we're not meant to be self-absorbed. That goes against the grain. That goes against our nature, our true nature as God intended it to be. Look at Philippians chapter 2. This is, once again, Paul. I got a lot of Paul today. So Paul says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort of love, any particip participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, 
Complete my joy for, of being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accordance and of one mind. And look at verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We need to tattoo that on our face or something. Or our arm, if that's better. Because if you ever take a selfie, you would see that. Do nothing from selfish ambition, but count, but in humility, right? That's the only way we can do this. When we humble ourselves before the Lord is what he's calling us, commanding us to do. Count others more significant than yourself. Let people cut you in line. Let someone cut you on the road. Let somebody else come in. Put, let five people come in. That goes against my nature. I barely like to let the one. No, no I got to get somewhere. I, me, me, me. Pay for somebody's meal. Let somebody else sit down. Let you stand up. Let your spouse get her way, his way. Every time. Listen. Don't speak. Let it be about them and not about me. Because that's what we're commanded to do and that's what we were made to do. Perfect harmony is when everyone fits exactly where, where it's supposed to be. Right in music, a perfect, a perfect chord it's three notes together. Is it unmuted? Nope. Unmute? Nope. Okay. There we go. C chord. Three notes in perfect harmony with each other. That's exactly what God desires for you and for me. For perfect harmony. Perfect peace. But yet... We are such in division. Our families are such in division. Our marriages are such in division because we're making about me. Our churches are in division. They're splitting apart. They're fighting. They're getting so angry. People are leaving because they made it about me and not about Christ. When we make it about him, everything falls in the line. Everything becomes perfect because he created this world to be perfect. But what did Adam and Eve do? They said, well, I want to be like God. I'm going to do something for me. I have this whole utopia, but yet I'm going to do this one decision for me. Eat of the fruit. And ruin this perfect harmony that God created. So church, we must die to ourselves. Die to our self-interest. Die to our love of self so that the spirit of God can manifest itself through us. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Each of us were given the Holy Spirit if we're saved by grace. We were given a blessing, a gift from the Holy Spirit, but yet a lot of times we want to use it for ourselves. And singers and musicians are just as guilty, if not most guilty, right? I promise you, I love applause. I love good feedback because it makes me feel good because that's my desire. I just want you all to enjoy it, but I want you to think that I'm pretty good. 
But I have to get over that because it's not about what I'm doing in this space. It's what, about, it's what is God doing in this space. I have to die to my own desires. I have to die to my own dreams. And I'll be honest with you, my wife knows this. That it's been a hard week for me. I've been in such a dark space. That's why this message is perfect because I've, I've, I've questioned, like, what do I want? What do I want for the future? Da, 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 da. And I've been so miserable because I've been worrying about me. So a great question is, do you want to see depression decline in your life? Do you want to see anxiety decline or fade away? Focus on someone else's issues other than yours. If you have a spouse, focus on them. If you have kids, focus on them. If you got friends, focus on them. If you got nothing else, focus on your church, focus on the needs. Ask how I can be a blessing. What can I give? What can I do? How can I serve? Focus on someone else, and you will be shocked to see that you rarely struggle with those issues ever again. Our suicidal rate is increasing more and more because society is saying, look at yourself, look at yourself, improve yourself. How can you make yourself more happy? And what? Nothing is satisfying these people anymore, and they're killing themselves because they have no other answer. So instead of looking at ourselves, let us look to him. If we truly mean it, that nothing else satisfies like you, we must look to him. In my last verse this morning, and, and I'm wrapping up, and, and, and Michael can come up and, and play as we close this morning. Uh, Galatians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 20. Paul once again, and this is what we need to be doing. I have, cru I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love that because we're reminded that Jesus was not a, lo not a, not a lover of self either. He humbled himself in every possible way even to the point of death. Think about it, the king of the universe got on his hands and knees and washed the disciples' feet. He washed Judas' feet, the man who was going to betray him. Peter, who would deny him. Everyone but John, they, they deserted him on his most vulnerable state. He washed their feet when they should have been kissing his feet. Christ emulated it. We must follow it. So if we have a response this morning, when we have our response this morning, our first course of action is this. The first step into holiness is to stare at the one who is holy. If this Christian life is the pursuit of righteousness, holiness, sanctification, and we desire that, we must first take the mirror away and stare at the one who is holy. In the book of Isaiah, we're given this glimpse of these heavenly beings called the seraphim. They're called the burning ones. 
and they surround the throne of God and they stare at him day and night. However, there's no day and night in heaven in eternity, but they just stare at the throne singing, holy, holy, holy. So if we want to burn for Christ ourselves, if we want to feel the passion for Christ ourselves, we must do the same and stare at him saying, holy, holy, holy is he. Let us extend praise. Let us take care of one another. Let us give sacrificially. Let us serve. Not just in your local church, in your homes, in your workplaces. We must move from being lovers of selfies to lovers of Christ. That's how we see a change. And we need that. We need each of us to be that. Because people like my younger brother need people like that. Our families need that. Our marriages need that. Our church needs that. Could you imagine the impact that we would have on this community if we all, just like the book of Paul said here in Philippians, when he said, in same mind, same love, one mind, if we all connected in full harmony and pursued God and gave and loved and served, could you imagine the impact on this world? But yet we have made church about me and me alone. What can I get out of today? And even a lot of us this morning, we're so uncomfortable because this is not what we wanted to hear today. Because in this culture, this world that we have lived in, it has said, look out for yourself. And God is saying, Look to me, and I'll point you the way. I need that. So in our time of response, each of us, I believe, has a chance to respond because I dare say that there's no one in this room that could say, I am not a lover of myself. I put everyone's needs before mine. Each of us have a chance to repent, to confess, to surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I'm sorry. Will, thank you so much for singing one of my favorite songs. It says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. He says, sorry, Lord. For the things I've made it because it's all about you it's all about you so in these next moments can we just remove ourselves out of the equation so I'm gonna invite you to either come bow here at this altar bow at your seat go bow somewhere else like a surrender position the Bible says the most humble position you take is on your face before the Lord. I'm going to invite you to surrender this morning. Surrender your self-interest. Surrender your wants, your desires, and seek His. That's how you find joy in this life. That's how you find peace in this life. That's how 
you find life when you make it about him. This morning, I'm really encouraging all of us to, to respond. We're going to sing a song in a few moments. It talks about God has been the same God all throughout generations, all throughout the earth, and he's for you. But when you sing that, don't think about how you're involved in that equation. Think about how great he is, how merciful he is, how gracious he is, that he is for you. Because him being for me, I can't understand why. You have a chance. The Lord is in this space. You have a chance to respond to him this morning. And surrender.